May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. Welcome to Parkway Fellowship. We're really glad that you're here at church today. I also want to welcome our North Campus, joining us by live video feed. Um, You know, when I was a kid, um, I loved Easter. Like, Easter was one of my favorite holidays, and I always knew it was a really important holiday because I always viewed it as, you know, one of the high holidays. And by high holidays, I mean as a sugar high holiday because of all the candy. It was a second only to Halloween, you know, as far as a high holiday. Um, And I loved Easter because, you know, for me, you know, got out of school a day, one extra day, and like I got free stuff. You know, what wasn't the lie? But now that I understand Easter, I realize it's important for a totally different reason. And so my reasons for thinking that Easter was important as a kid are totally different from the reason why I think Easter is important now. And so as an adult, especially as a pastor, I realize, I can see why Easter really is one of the high holidays of the year, although, you know, for totally different reasons than what I had previously thought. And, and the thing is, for so many people in our world, Easter's just another holiday, they just view it as another holiday, as a time for you know, parents to relax and kids to have fun. And for many of them, Easter never gets to be much more than just you know, egg hunts and baskets and candy. And that's all it really is. But truthfully, Easter is the most important day of the year. It is the most important day of the year. Why? Because on Easter Sunday, God changes more lives than any other single day of the entire year. On Easter Sunday, all over the world, more people will go to church. More people are open to an invitation to go to church. More people will become Christ followers, and more people will re-engage spiritually with our Heavenly Father than on any other single day of the entire year, including Christmas. I mean, Easter is an amazing day. So here's the deal. We as Christ followers, we must leverage Easter Sunday. We must leverage that opportunity so that as many people can come to Christ as possible. Why? Because if we don't, then our world will continue to decay, both morally and spiritually. Because when people try to live their lives without God, inevitably, the devil, our enemy, will lead them to live lives opposed to God. And left unchecked, our children and our grandchildren will grow up in a world that is increasingly hostile towards Christianity and just increasingly hostile, period, as people live lives for themselves and their own pleasures at the expense of other people. Which is why I'm so glad that this Sunday, the Sunday before Easter, we're going to have an opportunity to look at what the Apostle Peter says about how we are to live in a culture that grows increasingly hostile toward Christianity and how God wants to use us to change the course of culture. 
and what we as Christ followers can do to help our world start moving toward God instead of farther away from God. And leveraging Sundays like Easter is a big part of that. Now, before we read what Peter has to say in the Bible, we need to take a few minutes and I want to look at what was going on in society during the time that he was writing. Okay? Now, he writes the passage we're going to look at today somewhere between 64 and 68 AD. And he's writing from the city of Rome. Rome, in this day and time, was incredibly decadent. It was incredibly sensual. And it was out of control. Pornography was just a part of everyday life. Okay, now it wasn't internet pornography because Al Gore hadn't been born yet, okay? I'm sorry, I just couldn't resist it. It's just so easy. So, but it was a pervasive part of society because it came in the form of public nudity because the theater was, most of those plays were, were sexually explicit. For men, it was normal for men not to just have a wife, but to also have a concubine or multiple concubines, which are essentially women that were sex slaves. That was just the culture they had. They also had temple prostitutes. And so if you went to certain pagan temples, you would go to those temples and have sex with a prostitute as part of your worship. And that was for both men and women. Homosexuality was rampant. The emperor Nero was openly gay. It was just a part of society. And as a result, people viewed having sex with children and slaves as like no big deal. It was totally accepted and, wasn't, and nobody thought anything about it. And sensuality wasn't the only reason that Rome was incredibly decadent. There were other reasons as well. You know, for instance, in order to stop, in order to not be overtaxed, a lot of times people would kill their babies. Not kill them like, you know, we think about, but what they did something they were just called exposed. So they would expose their babies. That means that they would just leave them on the side of the road and expose them to the elements and the babies would just naturally die. So they weren't really killing children. They were just exposing them. Or women would abort their babies. Slavery was also incredibly rampant. And so people and their children were being bought, sold, traded, and discarded as commodities. This is the environment and the society to which Peter is writing. Does any of this sound familiar to anyone? I mean, does any of this sound like the road that our society is racing down as fast as we can go? And so Peter gives us, gives us hope, and he gives us guidance in how to live in a society and change the course of that society. So pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. And let's start with this question. How does God want me to act to change the moral and spiritual course of our society? Here's the first thing. He says this. I need to focus on changing people because that changes society. I need to focus on changing people because that changes society. Now, remember, 
The Christ followers of the first century, they thought that Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime and end history as we know it. And at the time of Peter's writing, more than three decades have passed, and people are starting to doubt whether God is really going to send Jesus back, especially as they see decadence increasing and not decreasing. So look what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Now, the promise he's talking about is the promise of sending Jesus Christ back to earth. He says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. See, Peter's telling them, hey, make no mistake. God will send Jesus Christ, and it will happen one day. And it might seem from an earthly perspective like it's taking a really long time, but from his perspective, it's been a very short amount of time. And his delay in sending Jesus is with good reason. Because every day that he, do, he doesn't send Jesus, more people become Christ followers. Because once Jesus comes back, it's too late. Everybody's eternal destiny is sealed at that point. And I also want you to notice that in this passage, that, the, um, that these verses do not talk about changing society. They don't talk about changing government, and they don't talk about changing laws. Did you notice that? The focus of these verses is to change people. It's to change people, because when people change, society changes. Now look, it's not wrong to join a pack or to write your congressman, or to write your senator, or to vote to change laws. In fact, you should do those things. But in the end, you cannot legislate people's hearts. That has to come from within. Which is why days like Easter Sunday are so incredibly important. Because remember, on Easter Sunday, more people will become Christ followers than any other single day of the entire year. And if we leverage Easter Sunday so that the maximum number of people become Christ followers, then more people in our society will eventually align their morals and their values with God's morals and God's values. And when that happens, society begins to change. And that's not just an empty hope. That's not just a pipe dream. That actually happens because that is what happened in Rome. Because Roman society changed. Somewhere in the next 400 years after Peter writes, so many people across the Roman world had been won over to become Christ's followers that literally the values of society changed. Even the emperors became Christ followers, beginning with Constantine, who was the first. 
And somewhere in the early 400s in AD, the emperor Theodosian, who became a Christ follower, passed the Theodosian Code, which outlawed many of the practices that we talked about earlier in this message. And so the society changed, but it didn't start with laws, it started with hearts. And then it transferred into the laws. You see, that's how it's done. That's how a society is changed. Now, Peter says the second thing that we need to do. Second thing that Peter says that we need to do is this, is live differently. He says that we need to live differently. Look what he says in verse 11. Verse 11 And then verses 14 and 15, he says this, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? And I want you to underline what he says. He says, you ought to live holy and godly lives. Verse 14, so then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort. I want you to circle those three words. We're going to come back to them in a minute. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. I want you to underline that as well. Our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. So, you know, Peter asks rhetorically, he says, so what kind of person ought you to be? And the answer is, we are to live holy and godly lives. Why? Because when someone who has been far from Christ realizes how empty their life is and starts looking for something different, if you are living a different life, then they will look to you and to our Heavenly Father as an option. But if, you are, if your life is no different then they will not look at our Heavenly Father as an option because you are traveling down the road they're trying to get off of. So it's so key that you live a holy and godly life, truthfully, because someone else's eternity is riding on it. That's what Peter's saying here. That's what he's getting at. And Peter gives us some clarity of what living a holy and godly life feels like. Look at that part, those three words I had you circle where it says make every effort, okay? In the Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament, it really is only one word, and that one word is often translated take pain. Somewhere in the margin, I want you to write take pain, because that's what that word is really getting at. Do you ever take pain to live a holy and godly life? Honestly, it seems to me that the majority of Christ followers just simply try to live a life that's not bad. But that's not the same. That's not what Peter's talking about. He says that you and I are to take pain to live differently. Do you do that? When was the last time you felt some pain 
because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. When was the last time? And what do I mean by that? I mean that you are totally honest at work, and so you take some pain to admit that the mistake was yours. I mean that you decide to just leave the party lifestyle and you take some pain and are ridiculed by some people and you have to let some friendships just go by the wayside. You know, the truth is, if somebody is only your friend because you're willing to go and drink with them and party with them, that's a pretty shallow friendship anyway. It means that you financially live in obedience to God by giving him 10% of your income, just like the Bible says, and you take some pain as you financially readjust your life to fit with his commands. And I'll be honest with you, teenagers, that includes you. And the truth is, if you can start learning to tithe now, that means give God 10% of your income. If you can start doing that now, it will be so much easier for you when you get older. And teenagers, let me say this. It also means that you have to, you know, this, what Peter's talking about, it means that you need to be committed to be pure in your relationships with people of the opposite sex. And that might mean that you have to take some pain and go on fewer dates. But don't worry, because at the proper time, God will bring the right person to you with the same standards as you, and in the end, you will be so glad that you've done it God's way. And I'll say this, it includes adults too, because adults, that means that you also need to be pure in your relationships with members of the opposite sex, And that means that you don't have sex with anyone that you aren't married to, and if you're not married, that you wait to have sex with someone until you either marry or remarry. And just because you've been married before or because you're in love, that does not give you license to bypass God's commands. I'm telling you, where in your life do you ever take pain to follow Jesus? And think about this, if you never feel any pain as a Christ follower, then are you following Jesus like Peter talks about? Look at that last part I had you underlined because this is getting entirely too convicting. So, look at that last part I had you underlined where it says, our Lord's patience means salvation. You see, God is patient by holding off sending Jesus Christ. Because every minute that he holds off, that's more people becoming Christ followers. And since our Heavenly Father is so intensely concerned about reaching out to people that are far from him, shouldn't you be concerned about that as well? Shouldn't you be concerned about that? And if, Because if you reach out to more people to follow Jesus, then more people are transformed by Jesus. And that is how you change a society. So let me ask you, have you ever become a Christ follower? Has there ever come a day in your life where you have asked Jesus to forgive you for everything you've ever done and then pledged to follow him from this day forward? That's how you become a Christ follower. And if you've never done that, you can do that this morning 
by praying a very simple but yet very powerful prayer. There's a sample of that prayer at the bottom of your message notes, on the back, you know, at the very, at the very, at the very bottom. I'm going to give you a chance to pray that today when we get to the end of the message. But before we get there, the whole reason why we're talking about any of this stuff today is because next week is Easter Sunday. And like I said, more people are open to your invitation to go into church and more people will go to church and more people will have their lives trans- transformed next Sunday than any other Sunday of the entire year. So next Sunday, we have a chance to leverage Easter and transform our society. So, Parkway Fellowship, we need to leverage Easter to the max. We need to reach out to as many people as we can because next Sunday is our best shot at changing our culture for this entire next calendar year. And so we can't squander that opportunity. We gotta leverage that opportunity. So, when we do, then we bring more people into the light of Christ and we can strike a heavy, heavy blow against the darkness. So, what are some things that we could do? I've listed some things here for you. How can I take full advantage of Easter Sunday to change the spiritual and moral course of our society? Here's the first. These are your bullet points. I need to invite as many people as I can who don't go to church. Invite your neighbors. Like when you get home today, your neighbors who are out mowing the grass because they didn't go to church this morning, invite them to come to church on Easter Sunday. Or invite the families on your kid's athletic team or that go, are in your kid's class. But you need to invite anyone you can because our society will only change when you invite people to come to a place where their lives can change. So invite as many people as you can. You have five invite cards in your seat. Would you make a commitment to use all five of them this week? All right, next bullet point. Come in one car, if at all possible. Come in. Now, I mean, you might not have noticed this, but at the North Campus and at the West Park Campus, parking's a little tight, okay? Just in case you hadn't noticed, I wanted to make you aware So on Easter Sunday, come in one car, if at all possible. And I know a family of four usually comes in three cars. Like, I get that. (laughs) But next Sunday, come in one if you can. Because look, here's the thing. If If you only come in one car, then that frees up more parking spaces so someone who's not a Christ follower can find a place to park easily and can come and hear about Jesus. That's why we're doing it. Next one, attend a less crowded service. Attend a less crowded service. I've listed all the services there for you in the bulletin at the West Park campus, that's this campus, we're gonna have two Saturday services and three Sunday services. At the North campus, we'll have three Sunday services instead of just two, okay? Now, I've put the less crowded services in bold for you in your bulletin. If at all possible, come to one of the less crowded services. And the reason I want you to do that is because if you come to a service that's less crowded, then you are freeing up a seat for someone that is not a Christ follower that probably would only come at one of the, you know, more crowded service times, and they're much more likely to hear about Jesus. 
Well, no, they will hear about Jesus, but they'll have an easier time because they won't be fighting for a seat. So would you make a commitment? If you can, now look, I know a lot of you are serving, and that's fine, I, I get that. So, but if you have the option to come to less crowded service, please do so, okay? All right, here's the last one. Pray every day this week for people to be changed by Christ on Easter Sunday. Would you be willing to pray every day this week and ask the Lord to reach as many people as possible and that he would change their lives? Would you join me in praying every day this week that God would change every person that is here next week and that more people would come next week to church here at the park as well as all the churches all over our area and God would change their lives and begin changing our area because, look, remember, for so many people, Easter is just another holiday. It's just another time for parents to relax and for kids to have fun. But as Christ followers, we know it's so much more than that. Easter is the most important day of the entire year. Because it's the one day that God will change more lives than any other single Sunday of the entire calendar year. And our Heavenly Father wants to reach out to people that are far from Him. But He wants to use you and me to do it. And that's why He's holding off in sending Jesus Christ back to earth. Because He wants to give more people more opportunities to become Christ followers. And so let's fully leverage Easter to reach as many people as we can, as fast as we can, before time runs out. And that's how a society is changed, by changing people. That's how it happened for Rome, and that's how it will happen for America, by changing lives. So I want everybody, find your connection card, and let's take some next steps together. Maybe it's this first next step. I will focus on changing lives to change society. Would you make that your focus? Would you do that? Next. I will live my life differently by blank. And just write in that blank whatever you wanted to do. You know, when in your life do you know that you and you are willing to take some pain to following Jesus? Write that in there. What would you do? Next, I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. I'm going to give you a chance to pray that prayer when we get to the end of these next steps. But if you're willing to pray it today for the first time, check the box, because I want to mail you some free stuff in the mail, okay, that'll help you get started. Next, I commit to invite at least five people to Easter Sunday by using my invite cards. Would you do that? I mean, imagine if everybody in this room invited five people to come. How many lives would be transformed next week? Incredible. But it would mean each one of us has to do it. So would you do that? Next. I solemnly promise to come in as few cars as possible next week. <laughs> Please check that, <laughs> would you? Next. I will come to one of the less crowded services on Easter Sunday. Can you make a commitment to do that? Next. I will pray every day for people to be changed by Christ on Easter Sunday. Would you do that? 
I'm going to give you a chance to pray and ask God to use these next steps to change your life. And if you're ready to become a Christ follower, this is your chance to pray that prayer. So right now, everybody listen to my voice. I want you to bow your head. And I want you to take these next moments and pray and silently and ask God to change your life and the lives of others as well with these next steps that you're taking. Let's do that right now. Father, I want to say thank you for your goodness to us and how you want to use us to transform the lives of so many people, just like you transformed those of us in this room that are already Christ followers. And for those in this room that today became a Christ follower for the first time, I ask that you would use this as the starting point for a new life for them, and that you would help them to grow in their faith and grow in their love for you and that you would continue to change their lives to align with how you want them to live. And you would help all of us do that. And I pray for the people that next week that you are already setting a divine appointments for to meet them here and change their lives. And help us, Father, do our part to invite as many people as we can to change the course of our society and ask you to do all of it for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.